0: everyone time for necromaniacs mike how are you
1: i am well what is up everybody uh this is the post thanksgiving edition uh we're wrapping up the uh thanksgiving weekend here how was your thanksgiving mike
0: it was pretty good i uh the only downside is that i couldn't taste anything really um you know i'm (laughs) pretty much over covid but i have uh you know the lingering uh lack of Smell and taste i mean i can kind of taste things now but it really threw a damper on uh, on thanksgiving this year Mm. that must be so weird like i mean look i love
1: food everybody loves food so you still get hungry when you have covid
0: obviously so it's like you're eating and it's just like nothing's going on (laughs) well there's certain things i can taste like um You know, for example, there's certain flavors There's certain things that register like, uh, you know, for example, like, you know, you and I are both Italian-Americans. So we like Mm -hmm. certain, you know, pastries and cookies and things like that. So Mm -hmm. I, I brought a bunch of stuff up to my parents. And one of the things I brought was some of my favorite cookies that have like almond slices in it, you know. Right. I was able to taste the almonds. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um part of our thanksgiving of de- uh, our thanksgiving meal incorporated chicken parmesan of course and i was able to taste some aspects of it but not oh. the full profile of it so you know little things right. here and there like coffee i can i can taste like a little bit of the bitterness of the coffee and you know it's all starting to come back a little bit like like uh you know, now, now when I take a shower, I can I can smell like the shampoo and stuff like that. So you know,
1: wow, that is wild, man. Um, well, I'm glad you're on the mend, yeah, uh, listeners. Mike is Mike is bouncing back from his Rona, <laughs> which is a good thing, and uh, you know, slamming through the Rona. Thank goodness for that. Um, so yeah, the, uh, about a week or two back, I got to see I got to see Mike uh, perform for the first time in a minute. Uh, tombs played a really cool show in brooklyn with nuclear assault and sub-zero and sworn enemy so that was a lot of fun mike
0: yes i wasn't sure if i was going to be able to to make that show but you know fresh out of quarantine you know negative Mm -hmm. test result i was ready to rock so that's good
1: awesome yeah it was it was it it seemed almost like like a normal as normal as it could be man you know that was a good vibe about that show you know like Uh, Some people wearing masks, which is fine. Uh, Most people were not, but obviously uh, we are in New York city and New York city has a a vaccine mandate. So at the very least, uh, you know, everybody in there uh, was vaccinated. So you have, you have that
0: peace of mind. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I went, I went out last night too. I went to St. Vitus to see the dead guy reunion. And, um, you know, once again, everyone's vaccinated, They check your card when you go in and, uh, yeah, you know, like some people wear masks, some weren't, but, you know, that's your decision, man. It's cool, whatever you want to do.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's that's what it is at this point. I just feel like, at least in New York City, um, if you're not getting it, you're not getting it. I mean, I, I just, I, look, obviously there's converts, you know, right? That That could totally happen, and I'm sure that's still happening at this point, but I don't know. I feel like the people who are just dead set against not uh, getting the vaccine are probably not going to budge, you know? What are you gonna do?
0: Exactly, you know, and, and, and unfortunately, it got turned into a freedom uh, thing. It's <laughs> like, you know, it's like you take a uh, public health, uh, you know, crisis, and then it becomes about freedom. You know, like your Patrick Henry or something like that. You know, give me, give me liberty or give me death. Um, yeah, no, obviously. Look,
1: I, I do. I, hey, I have friends who won't get it, Mike. You know, um, and that, that's how they feel. And unfortunately, I don't see any of them at shows anymore. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, that's <laughs> but, all right. Great. You don't want to do it. Fine.
1: So, yeah, i noted. Bars either because they can't get into the bars, but uh, it is it is what it is. Um, I still love them. Uh, I, I wish I could see them, but you know, um, yeah, they, they they in their heads they're they're doing what they're doing for you know for themselves and you know. Um, well, another a friend of mine who's a, you know a musician who I, I, I will not mention. I feel like he's he's a little under the impression that this is going to change in the spring, the mandate. And I'm like, no, I, I don't think it is. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I really don't. The summer, well, maybe the summer. But no, I, I don't foresee that changing, you know, that law changing for the shows anytime soon. Do you?
0: No, I think that until like you get no one dying or going to the hospital or very low rates, you're still going to fucking have to deal with this shit. You know what I mean? yeah
1: that yeah. that's kind of the the vibe you know in, in new york city but hey man there's people at the shows so people have been vaccinated right yeah. i mean yeah. there's isn't it shows are not dead not uh at all. some they are even selling out so that's yeah. you know that, that says something at the very least but uh listeners if you're a new listener welcome welcome to the necromaniacs podcast um uh, we come at you every week uh, with uh, myself and Mike Hill and Jeff Cashade. Uh, we talk about horror films. That's what we do, Mike, right?
0: That's what we do every week.
1: That's what we do. Um, we go from anywhere from modern to 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. It, it really doesn't matter. Uh, I think this year we've done a good job on on the more modern end. Um but yeah, welcome, welcome. And uh, we hope you stick around. Uh also Break the Apocalypse Podcast. Gotta give a plug out to those guys. Uh they they snuck in their uh, you know, Thanksgiving uh episode and uh it was a lot of fun to have a new Patreon episode up that you could check out. They do like a Q and A Q&A for their for their Patreon people. And uh also gotta give a shout out to our friend Brandon Legion, right Mike?
0: That's right. That's the Horror Wolf 666 podcast. His, uh, you know, is also, as you can guess by the name, focused on horror. And he does primarily interviews with filmmakers. So that's like a very interesting uh, angle to cover with this stuff. So it's interview-based, talks to filmmakers, talks to actors. He's had a really, really impressive array of different guests. So definitely check him out for sure.
1: Yes, check out Horror Wolf six 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 podcast and Break the Apocalypse podcast, both certified by your pals at Necromaniacs. Mister Hill, what have you been reading, watching, and/or listening
0: to lately? Well, um, I've been uh, checking out the new Dexter. You know, right. and um, you know, I I'm a I came late to Dexter. I I'm on the new season,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm also on season three of the original series. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I'm like kind of watching them like concurrently. You know, like I'll like watch two or three episodes here and there, the old one, and 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 every week I will watch the uh, you know the new one on Sundays, and uh, that's that's how I do. You know,
1: nice. I need to get in there. Um, I I plunked down for a new streaming service yesterday. And it was not Showtime. It was Paramount Plus because I can't miss New South Park. Uh, I, I thought South Park was all locked up with HBO Max. No, they have a whole bunch of stuff coming out on Paramount Plus. So, yeah, it's it's getting annoying, man. It's like pick a streaming service and stay with it, yeah, right? Yeah, that,
0: that, that's annoying for sure, man.
1: Yeah. It, um, some shows are on two or three and... Like, my my brother John was telling me, I forget what show he was talking about, where he swears he's watching the the season before, uh, the new season of a show on one, but he has to go watch the brand new episodes on another. I'm like, yeah, that's fucking annoying, and it can be very costly, right?
0: Yeah, next thing you know, you're spending like $300 on apps, you know? (laughs) It's like more money than you were spending on premium cable, you know?
1: Yeah, that has to be where this is going, and I I don't see any I don't see any slowing down of that, Mike. I, the only I thing
0: know. you can do to kind of curtail this stuff is like what I, this is what I do. I have like all right, X amount of dollars I'm going to spend on streaming. I know mm-hmm. and you know that you do not watch all of those apps on a monthly no. basis. Correct. So what I do, I assess. For example, I have the I have Epics right. I do not consistently watch Epics, but when there's a show on there that I really want to see, I just subscribe and I'll 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 do it for 2 months and then I'll 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 tap out and I'll I'll leave the app on my, you know, on my uh my Apple TV and then like uh when something, you know, the next season comes up, then I I I, I re up on it.
1: Yeah. Great idea. That's what everyone should be doing. But do you do you do know that we have listeners listening right now going why the fuck don't Mike and Mike just have an illegal fire stick?
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, probably.
1: Um, Because some of my friends always say to me, why don't you just get like a cracked fire stick and have everything and pay for nothing? I say two reasons. Number one, I work in the industry. Number one. So that will always rub me the wrong way, okay? Number two, I'm afraid of it breaking or something or not working. Yeah. So those two reasons keep that at bay for me you know um number one it, it's literally taking money out of like the industry I work in including yeah. the company I work for number one yeah. and number two I don't I just don't know if I have enough faith in it even though my buddies works just fine apparently
0: I think Is that uh, I think, I Am think I I think Jeff Jeff's a criminal and and he has some kind of illegal service like that. So,
1: I mean, I think my reasons are fairly legit, right? I mean,
0: yeah, definitely. I mean, I I also I, you know, I'm not uh I don't mind paying for things, you know. It's um yeah. You know, I don't, I don't mind. I'm not like so looking for deals, you know, like like, uh, I don't cut coupons out of the fucking paper, you know, to, to go and save a dollar on, like, a can of tomatoes or something. You know what I mean? And, uh, so, I will <laughs> So I'm like, maybe, I sh- I mean, I, you know, maybe I'm not as cool as you guys out there with your fire sticks and stuff, but that's, you know, whatever. Maybe, maybe someday I will. I don't know.
1: I mean, it's funny you stay talking about, you know, coupons and all that. I have I have spent this Black Friday weekend wheeling and dealing on the on the CDs and vinyl, I'll tell you that. That I have done.
0: Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, ordered some stuff. I, mean, I, right. I did Especially a little bit of that.
1: Because vinyl. vinyl prices, it's it's getting worse, and it's going to get much worse, apparently, according to some friends of mine in the music industry. So, yeah, pinch the pennies there, okay? On a cool streaming service, that's four ninety nine dollars a month, five ninety nine a month. Um, I'm not sneezing at that, I guess,
0: right? Exactly, you know, and, and like I said, it's um, you know, there's there's this like ideology of everything for free, you know, which I don't necessarily agree with. So, mm-hmm. mundo. Yeah. Um, uh, anything else? Oh yeah, Any- yeah a couple things. Couple some things that if you haven't heard of, you should definitely check out. There's uh, actually, Rennie brought this up to me. It's the Humans on Showtime.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not really a horror film, but. As creepy and atmospheric and shot just like a horror film. Nice. Yeah, it's got uh, Richard Jenkins is in it. You know the the guy from Six Feet Under. Oh, he's great. Yeah, Stephen Yoon, who's Glenn from The Walking Dead. Hmm. Uh, Amy Schumer, you know, a uh, the comedian. This um, is a a a weekly show. No, no, no! It's a movie that's on Showtime. Oh, okay, okay. And um, it's a family drama. I mean, that's, that's like how I would categorize it. But you don't realize you're watching a family drama. There's like the way it's shot and the atmosphere and the tension and just this very dark, brooding, bleak vibe. It, it just it feels like you're watching a horror film. Nice. So well, rec- that sounds really cool. Totally recommend that. And then there's an animated film called Spine of Night. Have you heard of that? No. That that's um, probably going to show up uh, as part of Shutter's offering because it's uh, I think Shutter had something to producing it, but right now it's um, you know it's a, it's a rental right now, mm-hmm. but it's animated, adult animated, you know. So there's like you know nudity and violence and all that stuff. It's made by I, I'm actually uh, digging into what these other the film the creators have done, but if you're if you like Conan, okay. If you like mm-hmm. Robert E. Howard, if you like cosmic horror, this is for you. Mm. It's like really well done. The writing is great. Great dialogue. Um, you know, it's like that that Ralph Bakshi style of animation. Uh, there's a term for that, which I can't remember. But that's that's how it's animated. Ooh, I'm definitely going to check this out. What is this called again? The Spine of Night. Spine of Night. That's kind of a cool title. It is, and it's like, uh, you know, very highly recommend that. Everyone out there, go see it. Mike, I think you'd love it. And like I said, it's, um, you know, sword and sorcery, cosmic horror, violence, naked girls, that kind of stuff, you know?
1: Oh, it's a very interesting uh, voice cast. Uh, Lucy Lawless, uh, Jack Manganiello, Patton Oswalt. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. And finally, well, um, I, I, uh, I'm i about halfway through his book of short stories that uh, our buddy uh, Carl Hikara recommended. And Carl's mm-hmm. a guy who's been listening to the show. And I've been corresponding with him for like this last couple months. And he's recommended mm-hmm. a bunch of really cool stuff. And he turned me on to this, um, a writer named Michael Shea. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, Michael Shea passed away a number of years ago. But he left behind a very impressive legacy of fiction and I write currently about halfway through a collection called Demiurge which is um, all of his uh, Cthulhu mythos that he wrote and you know of course everyone's probably anyone who follows me on Instagram is like oh, oh again like more weird fiction <laughs> I'm, like. I'm looking at it right <laughs> now. I pulled it up on Amazon it looks cool yeah but the the one twist that that his stories have in this volume are that you know, normally when you you um you go into you know like the H.P. Lovecraft world, the weird fiction, and you know the cosmic horror stuff, it's
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: the periods are always like the early twentieth century. the the um the main characters are like some kind of like academic or, or explorer or something like that. Right. The the characters in Demiurge are more from like the kind of low life, um, like you know walk of life. Like there's mm-hmm. you know prostitutes and like construction workers and like you know not fancy lads no like criminals (laughs) oh Uh, okay and it has um yeah just like this grimy like sleazy vibe to it and all the stories take place in california like la and san francisco and uh but then something happens in all the stories that connect it to you know the cthulhu mythos so it's it's pretty fucking cool. It's like very it's a different, very unique take on the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I'm reading a little bit about Michael Shay. seemed like an interesting guy. He, he died at age 67 in uh, in, in 2014. Uh, okay, very interesting. Thank you, thank you to our our, our awesome listeners, huh? Yeah, For man. You know,
0: so and like I said, it's it's different. Like it doesn't take place in Antarctica or the woods or you know, like. There isn't like, uh, you know, some guy who's like, uh, you know, some academic or an explorer. It's like street people, basically. It's cool.
1: Nice. Well, for me on the reading front, uh, I just got in the mail a signed copy of Elvira's uh, biography, Yours Cruelly Elvira by Cassandra Peterson. Oh, yeah. And it is, in fact, signed by her. Yeah. I, My buddy, uh, Mark uh, Yoshitomi from Generation, got a copy. And I says, dude, where did you get a signed copy? And he sent me the link. It, apparently, uh, anyone can get a signed copy. It's this uh, uh, company on uh, on Facebook that's selling it, Premier Collectibles, and it is uh, totally legit. And I'm about to uh, dive into it. It looks really cool. Uh, she's had quite a life, uh, and uh, a lot of interesting stories apparently in this book. So I'm stoked to read that.
0: You like Elvira, Mike? Of course. I mean, who I would be a un-American if I did not like Elvira. I know. What kind of horror guy would you be? What
1: kind of American would you be if you didn't like Elvira? That's true.
0: For America, I love Elvira.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah. Um, and on the on the viewing front, uh, yeah, I I watched uh, the new post-COVID episode of South Park, which was fucking hilarious. Um, uh, on the horror front, I finally watched Kill List. A a movie that I've been aware of, oh, for 10 years now. And I I finally, you know, hunkered down on Shudder and watched it. And I am going to have to agree with a lot of people who say it is one of the greatest horror movies of the last 20 years. I'm going to wholeheartedly agree.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, As a matter of fact, next week, Jeff and I are going to do an episode on it. So you guys can hear, you know, our thoughts on it, too.
1: Yeah, we, we don't we don't always outright say what the next episode is going to be, so we just did that as a treat for you guys. <laughs> a lot of times we'll dance around to what it's going to be and you know, you kind
0: of figure it out. A lot of times we don't even know what the fuck we're doing from week to week <laughs> either so it's like this week we have an idea what next week is, so that's, that's Right, good.
1: exactly. Um I also rewatched uh the 70s Canadian film uh,
0: Rituals. Ah oh, um, yes, man. I have that. I have a cop- I have a hard, hard copy of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, really cool movie. I mean, it's been referred to as the Canadian Deliverance, and I would, I would say that that's fairly on the money. It's also very kind of um, just before dawn-ish. You know that movie? Yeah, movie just before dawn. Um, it doesn't have all of the drama of Deliverance. It definitely has some drama, and it is, it is, you know. It is it is shot totally straight, as they say. You know what I'm saying? Um, but it's a really cool, different movie. And I'm very happy it's on Shudder because, I mean, I feel like hardly anyone was even aware of this movie. And now tons of horror fans of all ages can finally check it out.
0: Yeah, it's been fairly obscure. And the only reason I knew about it is that I read something in Room Org and um, yes. it, it hit all the boxes, and I, I hunted down a DVD copy of it.
1: Yeah, listeners, about, I don't know, 11 years ago, it hit DVD uh, from the uh, Code Red company. And Rue Morgue still does this, I believe, but they used to do it a lot. They would give the cover story to movies that, I mean, you know, really taking gambles with their covers, right, Mike? Remember, like, yeah. you know, they gave this the cover story, actually. And that's how a lot of people heard about it. So, yeah, re- really cool, you know, dark drama, horror film, uh, survivalist film, uh, very well acted. It's got the legendary Hal Holbrook in it. I mean, this is probably one of the only movies of this particular kind he ever made. I, I always remember Hal Holbrook in The Day After, uh, one of the most horrifying mo- television movies of all time, Michael.
0: Yeah, there, there was a whole... Um... Rash of film, of like, uh, you know, paranoid end of the world, nuclear uh, holocaust um, films mm-hmm. that came out a few years. Yes, uh, it was uh, over the years. I
1: learned that the U.K. had their own around the same time called Threads. Yes. I don't even want to watch that movie. Nah. I know that it makes the day after look like a walk in the park. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to watch Threads. Uh, Severin put out Threads a couple of years ago. You ever see that?
0: Back in the day. I saw it, like, you know, and I was, like, maybe the early 90s. I think I wa- mm. I watched all those, like, around the same time because I became aware of that. And I, I was, like, thinking about, you know, nuclear war and how, you know, we're going to get blown up one day and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So there was, mm. uh yeah, Threads, there was The Day After, and there was an animated um
1: yeah another British
0: one right yeah the, the brits made that one too and i can't remember the title of it but that one was like so dark and just depressing and then i was like all right that was, i i have enough of i had enough of this for now so like I, that was the yeah,
1: last one i watched one. oh my god i yes i oh man it's it's gonna bother me that i can't remember it is it like when the oh,
0: that's, when the gonna, wind blows
1: when the wind blows, oof. Yeah. Oh, man, I don't want to
0: see that movie. Nah, I've seen the
1: trailer, nah. I've seen like pieces of it on YouTube. I'm just like,
0: ugh, oof. The, the ending to this day just bums me out and makes me feel depressed. And I'm just like, you know what? Because, you know, it's like these like mice and animals and stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, this yeah. is like so fucking like just brutal, you know? Yeah, when the wind
1: blows is 86. Mm hmm. Okay. And uh, let's see, when was Threads? like to just give the listeners the real in- intel. Threads is 84, yeah. And the day after is, I believe, like 83, 84. And Man, listeners, growing up in the, in the very early 80s, uh, A- ABC had this its TV movie, and, ooh, it fucked everybody. Every 80s kid was fucked up, every 80s kid from that movie.
0: that was a big thing back then man just nuclear war and and the fear of annihilation was like a big theme in the 80s
1: Mm. yeah threads as it turns out is british australian uh joint um but i believe it was on british television yeah it was on bbc in september of 84 to scare the living shit out of uh 80s british kids so (laughs) thank you everybody yeah this was the world we lived in then. Now they wouldn't. I don't think they would dream of showing this, like ABC, something like this. Now, would honestly, um, probably not. Yeah, like you know, like the network would get like picketed outside, like by like thousands of, of people. Like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <you're> probably right. <laughs> oh boy. So listeners, tonight we are going to discuss the 2021 film. Last Night in Soho from director Edgar Wright. Uh, Edgar Wright's had a pretty cool career. He's he's uh he's uh, about my age, like I think like a year younger than me. He's in his late forties. Uh, most people know Edgar Wright. I'm going to say from Shaun of the Dead. Would you agree, Mike?
0: Yeah, that is um how I I got to know him, and I think he did the uh, the Ant Man movies too.
1: Yeah, he uh he wrote. Um, the uh, 2015 Ant-Man and was the executive producer on it he was actually not the director uh, he was replaced as the director by Peyton Reed so I, I have a funny feeling I mean his stamp is, is obviously in there somewhere but what's very interesting is that even though he was replaced he bounced back two years later with the huge hit a movie I actually really enjoyed Baby Driver Do you like Baby Driver? I didn't see it oh, okay I, I actually think that's one of his his best films, period. That is not a horror film. It is kind of like an action. I don't know. It's hard, hard to put a, a real, you know, note on, on what some of his movies are, to be completely honest. And I think that's part of his appeal, is that he kind of mixes genres. But Baby Driver is actually really cool. A uh, pre-canceled Kevin Spacey is in it. It's got a really cool cast. And it's got, like, this amazing soundtrack with, like, The Damned and a bunch of other Cool bands on it. Check out Baby Driver, Mr. Hill. Um, but yeah, Short of the Dead in 2004 kind of really put him on the map. Uh, he co-wrote that with you know the star Simon Pegg, his friend. And uh, I remember that had like a huge impact. You know, it was a, just a very solid horror comedy. Would you agree?
0: Totally, man. And, and I thought, you know, it's funny they took so long to make The Boys. You know the comic book into a, mm. a series, that Simon Pegg was so much basically you know Huey from from the boys, <laughs> yes. but he's just too old now to play you know like a a thirty something kid you know. I know,
1: I know, but yeah, it definitely reminded me right like when that comic first came out like later in the O's, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh good point. Uh, and then his follow-up Hot Fuzz was a hit, not as big of a hit as Shaun of the Dead. Then he, again, he, he's kind of dipped his toes in some very mainstream shit. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. That's a movie I've never seen because it was like something like the, the subject matter is like, ah oh, it doesn't really appeal to me. Uh, Adventures of Tintin, again, a movie not for me. Uh, his 2013 film, The World's End, was really cool. Did you see that?
0: No, I've only actually seen Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz by. Ah, uh, by, uh, by okay. Right. And, you know, and I know that, well, you said that he. I saw the Ant-Man films, and I guess he was the writer, not the director on those.
1: Right, right. Yeah, I- exactly. Now, w- one could argue, I mean, you know, Shaun of the Dead was in 04. Last night at so it was 2021. He has a very long time in between of not delving into the horror genre. Uh, so a lot of people were pretty excited about this movie because, I mean, look, I think this is a horror movie. Uh, some people and some reviews... Have said that it's not really straight horror or whatever, but by and large, I think it's horror, and I think that's why I mean, it's one of the reasons we're covering it, right? I mean,
0: I think that this is 100% horror, I mean, it's yeah. very much inspired by uh, Italian Giallo films, and mm-hmm. if you consider Like Tenebrae to be a horror film, then you should consider this film to be a horror film because there is a debatably supernatural element to this. Yes,
1: well, okay, there is a supernatural element to this movie. Oh, there is. Yeah, it's actually
0: not not even up for debate. There, there's a there's a kind of uh, you know element of you know supernatural connection. You know, with the mm-hmm. past and things like that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, ghosts and,
1: and, yeah, and ghosts. all that. There's ghosts, there's ghosts in the film. There's a extremely bloody murder scene in the film yep. that's definitely reminiscent of your, your Argentos. And um, it's funny that, you know, getting the Italian nods in this movie out of the way, there's there's a total uh, scene done with the lighting earlier on that is basically a complete Mario Baba nod. And there are. Uh, there's a club scene in this movie and the name of the, the club is called Inferno. And it's not only that it's just called Inferno, it's the exact logo of Argento's uh, Inferno logo for his film. It's the same exact lettering, um, which I, I looked that up online and I thought it was really cool. They use like the same font and everything for the name of that club they go to, Mike. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, those are his tips of the hat to to Mr. Argento and Mr. Baba. And it's funny you mentioned Tenebrae. Um, I don't know. To me, I was—I think this this last night at Soho, while obviously I don't know, I wouldn't go as far as to call it a, a giallo film. It has what I refer to as the Jallo nods and like moments, you know. Um, but I think that's—I mean—that's what Edgar Wright wanted to do. It's like on purpose. Like he loves those directors, you know.
0: Like it verges on it. You know what I mean? Like if you, yeah. um, like you you know you, you didn't have the glove you know there was like mm-hmm. a there was a knife murder like for example if all the women were murdered with knives or something like if all the murders were done with knives mm. you know and there was like like you could you can flip it you know what i mean where everyone was murdered with a knife there's like a stranger with gloves like that kind of thing you could have mm-hmm. easily turned it into like an italian inverted giallo you know what i'm trying to say
1: yeah exactly um But ultimately, I feel like this movie is uh, with all of its Italian-esque moments. It is a British film and it is a love letter to the, uh, you know, London of the 60s. It is a love letter to, I think, uh, British culture, uh, British music of the 60s. You know, Mike? I mean, and I think that is part of its appeal. Uh, It's even named after a 1968 song for a british band um i mean you know it's it's very fucking british man and i i i love that shit i'm into that i mean one of the things i've been watching so much that i I forgot to bring up as of late is i've been uh watching all of the uh the hammer house of horror episodes on
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and man those things are super british
0: (laughs) i I need to get every night i I Plan to watch a couple of those, and I and I never do. I got I have to make a point to, to check some of that out. I have to say,
1: it, it's uneven. Uh, some episodes are, are wonderful. The very first episode is fucking great, actually, and it, it makes you kind of stick around for the ride. That's how good it is. But there are some, you know, some uneven ones and some iffy ones. But uh, you know, a little late uh, viewing plug to check out Hammer House of Horror. It's just one season on the Shutter app. Um, But, yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of, you know, swinging 60s London uh, retro kind of stuff, uh, music and just I don't know, I I feel like the, the other thing about this movie is that he there's something about it that's distinctly old school like movie nerd, you know, especially the first moments of the film. Uh, would you like that that opening kind of montage where she's in her bedroom? And I don't know, I just it just really like I felt like I was being transported back to that time when I was watching this movie.
0: Yeah, it did a great job of uh, setting up an atmosphere for sure, you know. And and um, but actually, before we, you want to run down who who's in the movie before we get into it? Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: yeah. Um, uh, Last Night in Soho, listeners, of course, directed by Edgar Wright starring Thomason McKenzie as Eloise, Anna Taylor-Joy as Sandy, Matt Smith as Jack the Pimp, uh, the late Miss Diana Rigg as Miss Collins. She was fucking awesome in this movie, uh, and I believe this is her last role. Uh, many know her from Game of Thrones. Um, Amy Cassitari as Eloise's mother, who basically, uh, you know, appears as as a spirit. Uh, Rita Tushingham as Peggy. Uh, She's one of the, you know, snooty girls at the, the, you know, the uh, fashion college. Uh, Michael Ajejo as John, who becomes basically a love interest of uh, Thomas and McKenzie and, you know, a good friend to her. And uh, let's see. A couple of the other more minor roles, uh, Jesse Mailey as Lara and Sinovay Carson as Jocasta. Again, uh, there's a bunch of young women in this movie, uh, <laughs> as it is about a young woman who goes uh, away uh, from more rural England into the big city for, you know,
0: fashion college, would you say, Mike? Art school? Yeah, she's going to, uh, you know, like an FIT, you know, Fashion Institute of Technology type thing, you know, like where she's studying to be a designer.
1: Right. And... It takes place in the modern era, um, you know, and it's funny because I think initially before I, I you know, I, I saw the movie and I this is what I do. Listeners, I actually do not read about movies I want to see. So I'm completely, you know, like clean slate, blank slate. I wasn't sure if it actually took place like completely in the 60s or not. Uh, it does not. It takes place basically now. And her character, when she goes to bed at night, is Basically, you know, through dreams or uh, whatnot, transported. Would you say, Mike, into the '60s?
0: Yeah, I I saw the trailer for this in a movie theater when I went to <gasps> see one of the films I saw this past summer, and um, and and I got a pretty good feel for that. It was like this uh, dual time zone kind of thing, dual time period thing, where there's some connection with two women. Um, uh, you know, one's in the modern age and one's in the '60s. Now, bad. My bad. When I initially, before I actually watched the film, I thought both uh, characters was played by the same actress. Like I thought, yes. <laughs> okay, I thought we Eloise and, and Sandy were the same actress, but it turns out that uh, that two different uh, young young ladies uh, played them. So
1: my oh bad. my God, okay, yeah, we had the same issue <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um, because as I'm like
1: ten, fifteen, whatever, twenty minutes into the movie, I'm like oh my God, it's two different people. Like, I thought that, that she had slapped on a blonde wig and the makeup, like, you know, I thought she just looked vastly different and I thought it was contacts. And I'm like, no, that's a different human
0: being. <laughs> yeah. And that makes sense as the, uh, you know, we're, I think this time around we should try to avoid spoiler because it's a new film. Yeah. <laughs> but there's uh, you there's definitely a twist at the end where it makes sense that they're you know that that they're played by two different actresses. That's all I'm going to say about it. Exactly. Yes. Um, and uh, is it fair to say that?
1: I mean, uh, you know, are we going to kind of spoil the ending here? I mean, it would, you know,
0: I think we could say enough about this film without <laughs> revealing the final reveal. So okay. let's try to like avoid it. that. You know, because there's plenty like to talk it. about, and you know, there's a, there's a really there's a lot of a lot of exposition with this movie too because. You know the, um, the Eloise's mom has had committed suicide, and she mm-hmm. also had an interest in making you know being a clothing designer. So right, yeah. And
1: so yeah, just... listeners, um, if you if you have jumped out because you think we're going to kill the ending, we're actually not going to kill the ending. So uh, we are going to talk quite a bit uh, about the movie yeah. itself. We already have. But- yeah, I, I know. Uh, I know Jeff.
0: Jeff just doesn't give a fuck. He just ruins. He's just like, he doesn't care. He just rolls. Oh, yeah. I don't care who's listening. You guys, you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> so funny. But um, something I, I wanted to ask you.
1: Do you think. I mean, you know, I, I might as well just get, get into it. The movie, it was a $43 million budget on this film. Okay. Okay. Which Decent chunk of change. I mean, honestly, I would say most of it went to the goddamn clothing. In this, I mean, and to the, like the the sets uh, because it fucking looks like it's the '60s, and that's what I think of. You know, one of the best parts of this movie. Um, it has not made a lot of money at all. Uh, as of right now, its combined uh, box office is like 21 million. Um, I feel like. People are a little confused about what this movie is, um, because if you look at the trailer and you look at its overall promotion, it's kind of not
0: a horror movie at all. You know but- what? I, I it's funny you say that because I did not want to see this movie originally because I didn't <laughs> like the trailer. Oh, no. When you You're guys gonna- brought when you brought up doing this movie, I was like, why? It looked. You know, it looks like there'd be literally nothing for me to relate to in this movie. I'm like, you know, young right. young women in London. But, yeah. um, you know, we'll get to this later. I have a different opinion about the film than I initially did. And, uh, mm. yeah, the trailer did not do, do, doesn't do any favors, you know? No. Um, I feel like maybe the, stu-
1: look, Edgar Wright is fairly well known. Baby Driver did very well, again, like I said. Made a ton of money. Um, And I almost think that they might have overestimated the fact that people would maybe see his name and then check this movie out without actually... I don't know. I feel like maybe there's still a bit of a horror stigma to, to the major studios. And they probably should have, like, done a way better job of letting people know that this is a horror movie because I think it might have done... Better had they done that or maybe put it out before October 31st. This movie came out in the beginning of November in America. Oh, actually, uh, yeah, it came out, I think, uh, the first week, of November, whatever. I saw it, something like that in theaters or late, late October. I think it hit America.
0: I don't think motherfuckers knew what this was. And I, I maintain that still. Yeah, the trailer does not. I think they could have put so much more lurid stuff in the trailer mm. and not played up the uh, the song and dance stuff so much. You know what I mean? Yeah. They really have tried to sell uh, Anna
1: Taylor-Joy, who is fucking great. I, I think she's beautiful. She's a great actress. She's great on screen. They really sold her cover of the song Downtown, the 60s song, which is featured prominently in the trailer and the movie. And honestly... You think you're going to see some a chick flick, Mike? That, and I think that's what you probably thought this was a month or so ago. <laughs> it, you know, it,
0: the the trailer literally leads you to believe that it's a fucking musical or something like that. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Yeah. And
1: and by the way, it's not a musical.
0: No. It's no.
1: Not no, not really. Um, it's got musical numbers because um, the characters sing. But calling it a musical, no, I don't think this is, this is not a musical,
0: no. And, you know, what, what actually, what they're trying to portray, and I think they do so very well in this film, is the parallel of these two young ladies, like, uh, you know, Eloise comes down from the hinterlands, you know, she's, she's from right. like, you know, the, the, the Midlands or something, and she comes into the word, like she's out of her element, right. Yeah, it's like a small town girl, talented, mm-hmm. you know, she's going into London, and then all of that anxiety and everything has this kind of menacing quality to it and you know her roommates are kind of twats you know what i mean and Mm. and they're you know her roommate is like oh you know i live in london this kind of you know that kind of trip you know what i mean Mm. and then uh alexandra aka sandy you know she's like a, a a woman who basically a young lady who got completely devoured by the underside of the entertainment industry in London. In the late 60s. In the late 60s, yeah. So it's like there's a lot of dark stuff that they did not reveal to you. Like if they had shown that as opposed to like the, uh, you know, the song and dance stuff, like you kind of would would get more of a feel for what this movie was about, you know?
1: And Anna Taylor-Joy, she's in um, uh, The Witch. You know, she's she's – I mean, she's pretty popular, but there are no stars in this movie by and large. I mean, uh, you technically Diana Rigg is the biggest star in this movie, and she's not even really listed anywhere. Like you know what I'm saying? She's not like up front. You know, she's not like. I think her name is in the poster, but her image is not in the poster. It's not her movie, so to speak. Um, so I think I don't know. I, I feel like had they gone in that direction of pushing it as more of a horror film it might have done better but i feel like they just were like you know what edgar wright is is kind of a you know his fan base is is very interested in different things and yada 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 and it's a little kooky and this and that um but this movie again aside from the song and dance showy stuff it has a very dark thread uh the main character you know played by thomas and mckenzie Her mother killed herself. There's sadness there, and she's leaving her her grandmother behind. She sees her mother as in in, like apparitions. This is my next question
0: Does she have like, would you consider this having powers? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I think that's what this is all about, really. Because, like, if she was like, she's not delusional because no, she sees into. Actual events that happened in the past, and she connects with the character sandy, you know who was the uh you know like she was the young lady who got devoured by uh you know the the entertainment industry she wanted to be a singer and mm-hmm. then she just gets you know exploited by all these men basically
1: it's i don't know if the word is empath she's not like an she's but she's like not a clairvoy like a combo clairvoyant empath like it's she has like there's a supernatural element she has a gift, basically. Um, she sees things that nobody else fucking sees. And she sees things that actually really did happen, uh, including, um, you know, a murder. But, again, she doesn't see it as she really should have seen that murder, let's just say, right?
0: Yeah, it's it's definitely clouded, you know. And um, you know another thing about this film, it really is kind of almost like... Um it's not. I mean, it's not like this film, but it it, it is a throwback to those '70s American films, mm. like Eyes of Laura Mars or something like that. You know, where it's like no
1: way, yes,
0: of- yeah, it has some of that vibe. Totally, totally. You know, yeah.
1: um, I I enjoyed. Look, man, I'm kind of a sucker for the '60s and the '70s, and you know, uh, it, that shit kind of fascinates me. I mean, I I. I really thought Edgar Wright did such a good job visually and audially with the music, and not a lot of fucking directors in twenty twenty one can pull that off. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, totally. You know, and and I think he did a good job telling the story. You know, and the story, yeah. even though El Eloise has this em- has this empathic, uh, you know, psychic power, it's the message is still it's not like she's omnipotent about everything. It's not like she knows every aspect. She's only seeing pieces of the story that happened to Sandy. You know what I mean? She's only seeing certain points of view that Mm. create a narrative with her, and that creates, you know, the kind of dramatic tension of the movie. Like, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, once again, there's a little bit of a twist at the end, and it does a really good job of setting that up because what she's seeing is not the whole the whole story, you know. Right.
1: Um. It's interesting. All right. It hasn't made a lot of money. Critically, a a, a lot of you know bigger uh, reviewers and more marquee names have given this pretty good marks. Uh, but then there are some who have you know talked about how it's it's visually gorgeous and this and that, but it's a bit uneven and you know a, a horror pastiche instead of a horror movie um, you know it's you know it's 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 a you know more of a spoof of the of the 70s 60s 70s than an actual you know proper 60s 70s representation uh even though his, you know his intentions were good like his execution uh was not what it should have been even with his heart in the right place.
0: I don't know. That's a criticism some people have of this? Yeah,
1: like, I mean, uh, Richard Lawson of Vanity Fair. He called it a clumsy horror pastiche with uh, perhaps the film's thematic intentions being noble, execution is glib, never finding the right balance between compassion and leering. Uh, Robert Daniels of RogerEbert.com, which I actually still check out quite often, even though Roger Ebert is no longer with us, um, he, this guy gave it a 1.5 out of 4 saying it's funny, chaotic, slick, and stylish but falls apart in the second half. Now listeners, it's funny I, I I picked up my phone at the 80 minute mark because at the 80 minute mark this movie turns into a real horror movie. But I I will say th- there's 80 minutes to me of what I think is in the trailer, the music and the, the female skewing kind of movie. And, you know, um, the retro thing, but for the next, like, you know, I guess 40 minutes of the, of the film, it's a horror movie. There's, there's ghosts, there's blood, there's, uh, there's a twist. There's, you know, violence and murder and this and that. It turns into, what I believe it is to be. I mean, hell, the Wikipedia page alone calls it a psychological horror film. I mean, I don't know
0: if I'm don't. I I don't think there's any debate between, (laughs) at least not here on this show, that it's a horror film for sure. Right. I mean, we got supernatural elements. We got all this, you know, violence and everything. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's one thing I do. I want to speak to is I found a quote from Wright where he, he actually put it out there about saying that, um, it's a, there's a danger of it being overly nostalgic about previous decades. Mm-hmm. Furthermore, in a way, he states, the film is about romanticizing the past and why it's, it, it, and that's, he says that's really what it is. He's, it's, he's presenting yeah. a romantic image of what the 60s in London was like. You know what I mean? So I think I know what he's saying. Yeah, I mean... The reality too is like when you, any any portrayal of a period is is you know very subjective with respect to what the filmmakers trying to to show you you know what i mean it's like you know you watch like American Graffiti or something like that you know what i mean that's not really what Bakersfield was like in the early 60s you know what i mean it's like you know uh, i mean there's like a different you know it, it's 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 art you know what i mean so it's not reality you're not watching a documentary about the 60s in London you know no Eloise was extremely taken
1: by an era that she has was never a part of. That's before her time, way before her time. She's a fucking Gen Zer, this girl. Okay, yeah. and she's very enamored by the '60s. Okay, and it is the, it is 2020 in this movie. However, she is completely oblivious to. What was a very dark side in that period in London and in that period in America, of course, we've, um, you know, discussed that length, what was, you know, going on in the 60s and 70s in Times Square in New York and in L.A. in the 80s, but in, in, there is a great moment in this film where she does see what was going on in the, you know, the showgirl places and in the, the clubs, you know where women are being pimped out, women are on drugs, women are being beaten, women are being killed. Yep, and yes. That is what Wright is talking about, actually. This movie is about not being overly nostalgic, but I got to be honest, Mr. Wright, <laughs> I don't think anyone who watches, like, say, what if someone pu- punched out 60 minutes into this movie? You know, which I'm sure they might have been um I had five fucking people in my damn theater, you know yeah. I was no I was one of four people in my theater
0: by the way well well he um, he acknowledges that he was in danger of being overly overly nostalgic about it so in in a way he's he's admitting that he's presenting like a romanticized version of of the the sixties mm, along with that bleak abusive side, you know. Bro. And and in a way if you think about it, you know, El- Ellie is a young lady. She's never she was born in probably 19, you know, 88 or something like that, you know.
1: No. It, Eloise, no, she was probably born literally in like 99. Oh, yeah, 90- okay. Yeah, probably yeah. cuz she's going yeah, to college, yeah, yeah. right? Right.
0: Mm-hmm. So she's she's only about 18 years old. So mm-hmm. so there 2000? you go. She was born mm-hmm. in the 2000s. She was born in the 21st yeah. century. So yeah. she's super young. She has literally no actual connection to the 60s except for her mother and their grandmother and the stories Hi. that they told her and mm-hmm. a bu- and a stack of LPs which she like you know looks at and she grew up you know up in the midlands somewhere you know in in, in uh, you know in the country so um, it makes sense that and like i was saying earlier like there's like a certain um, coloring to the when she goes back and with her empathic connection to sandy She's mm-hmm. seeing a version of the '60s. She's not actually tra- time traveling. You know what I mean? She's seeing right. like a representation of what Sandy went through. So it makes sense <laughs> that there would be like this kind of, you know, unrealistic vibe to that that part of it. You know?
1: Yeah, like I said, that was literally one of my favorite parts of the film, um, because he, you know, it, it's like, uh, no Eloise. This is what the fuck was going on. And you know Anna Taylor Joy's character was being pimped out, and she was being abused. And yes, she was a talented singer, and this and that. She was trying to make it, but this is what women went through when they were trying to fucking make it. Like it was, it was you know, fucked up shit going on. I mean, I'm I'm sure you know if we we we, we sat down uh, with, with a girl who was a showgirl in Vegas in the '70s, she would have some fucking head-turning tales too. I mean, right? I mean, absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The same thing for a chorus girl in New York City in the 60s, 70s, up to the 80s. I mean, I bet some wild ass shit was happening. Um, And again, the other thing I think is that, Mike, this is some limited audience shit. Let's be honest. I like this shit, okay? And I think a good sector of our listeners do. I'm going to say all of our listeners do probably don't i would not give a blanket statement saying that this movie would appeal to all of our listeners and you like it as well um but edgar wright took a took a chance here rather maybe expensive chance but he took a shot and i i gave him give him major credit for making a movie like this you know yeah i think
0: that in a way, this movie has like a very European film vibe to it. You know what I mean? As far as as far as like, uh, it reminds me of a foreign film. It doesn't remind me of something that would come out by a major studio in the United States.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, what did you think of Anna Taylor Joy and Thompson McKenzie, the two the two female leads?
0: I think they were great actresses, man. They did they did a great job. Um, I thought the acting across the board was really good in this film too.
1: Yeah, and uh, you have Terrence Stamp in there as Lindsay, and um, you know, I, I it's you know we're not giving away the the, the you know the uh, the the ending, but uh, there's definitely a very cool twist with two characters, two old older you know senior characters in the film. There's there's a great twist with both of them, um, and then uh, you know uh, the, the, the policeman. Uh, it was just i don't know i I thought everybody was really cool and i myself thought it was going to go one way and it went another way i'll say (laughs) you know like yeah absolutely yeah like you know i thought jack the pimp was (laughs) a certain someone but he was not that someone
0: Jack the pimp
1: (laughs) yeah and i i did not even i mean initially i'm watching the movie i didn't think he was a pimp at first either but yes he's a bad guy (laughs) Um, You know, uh, Diana Rigg was fucking great. Diana Rigg plays Miss Collins. Uh, She is the landlord of the apartment that Eloise has to move into because the dorm is, like, too fucking out of control. I mean, the dorm is a proper 2020, 2021, whatever, dorm with way too much shit going on, and poor Eloise is getting teased and picked on. And there was a great scene where she's listening to 60s music, of course, on her headphones, and a guy sits next to her And puts it in his earphones And he's like What is this old people music Like I just I don't know I, I, In a weird way I, I could relate to that Because of my love of like Elvis and shit And Tom Jones And like you know what I'm saying Like yeah. I was Yeah they, These people just don't know Good music at least <laughs> You know Because to me She's listening to great music
0: <laughs> Well yeah you know And, and uh, It just Yeah there's just like this Real twat vibe to like the whole all of her oh, roommates yeah. and all these like people
1: all right of now. the other girls in the college are awful i mean these uh, you know it's <laughs> you don't care about any of these people um but you definitely care for eloise and you care for anna taylor joy who you know much to mike and i surprise, was a completely different person played by you know uh, anna taylor joy uh playing sandy um yeah i mean i again there, there's some nice twists and turns here you know uh and that which we're not going to give away because I do want you to see this movie. It is worth seeing. Uh, this movie will forever go down in, in history for me. It is my first in theater pandemic movie, Mike. Really? So, yeah. Um, the last movie I saw in a theater was February 2020, that World War One movie. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 1914 or whatever that was called, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, and that was it. And then I saw this one, you know, solo, uh, like two Fridays ago. And I got to tell you, once once the music started and it kicked in and I was like, man, this is just what I kind of needed. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I, I've like, seen, uh,
0: I, I saw this on demand because um, uh-huh. I saw it here, you know, at, at the apartment. But I've, I've yeah. seen a couple of movies out in the theater. I've seen uh, The Green Knight and I saw yep. um, The uh, Quiet Place 2.
1: Yes. Now, yeah, the interesting thing about this movie also, as far as the what the money it's made, I mean, it came out theatrically, you could see in the theater, and it came out simultaneously um, on demand, um, but not like simultaneously on a streaming service like a bunch of the HBO Max properties where same-day theater, same-day HBO Max. This one, you had to, you know, you plunk down the change for the, for the on-demand. What did you pay, Mike?
0: I think it was like $19 or something like oh, that. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. okay. Well, I mean I, I mean I, you know it's it's a
1: shame he couldn't have maybe hooked up with one of the you know same day you know bigger guns aside from the the, the on demand kind of thing but I, I feel like
0: the, the real money is probably in the theatrical. Um, yeah, so. I mean like I think that the whole the pandemic has definitely fucked around with people's you know bottom line when it comes to movies and you know, like I don't like I know that the you know like Dune for example is also concurrent in the theaters and on what HBO Max, right? Right. So mm-hmm. how do you how do you quantify that? Like how do you like you, know, you go see it in the theater? You pay you know whatever sixteen bucks or whatever twenty dollars to go see it in a movie theater, or you watch it on your app. So I, how do they do the math to figure out what well, you actually? number one, I believe it did pretty good theatrically. Number one, it did pretty good,
1: but it's viewer. They looked at the actual max subscriber viewership. They look at that and that was real high for malignant. That was real high for dune. So that they look at those numbers. Um, so it's a combo of the two, you know, uh, you know, both of those movies that they made fucking money. You know what I'm saying? um, so, yeah. Oh, it's funny. 1917 was the movie I saw last in the theater. And, and this movie has uh, a, a bit of a connection to 1917 because screenwriter, Christy Wilson Carnes, co-wrote 1917 and co-wrote this film. So how about
0: that? Wow. Damn. Yeah. The last film I saw prior to pandemic uh, time was uh, Color Out of Space at uh, the IFC in Manhattan. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And then we know, it, we know what happened to Rich, old Richard Stanley. So,
1: yeah, he's kind of what I would refer to as a soft
0: cancel because he's not really canceled. <laughs> like Yeah, but you know what it sucks? It's like I don't think uh, there, anyone's going to work with him anymore. I mean, I know. he, he had plans for like two other movies.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. Like, you know, he's, he's, he's on social media every day and he's doing his thing and his film, you know, he's – his fans are, are, are you know liking his shit and this and that, but what you just mentioned is the real uh, issue: uh, is what it what is next and what will be next? You know. Well, the question
0: I have about Richard Stanley is: like, did anything ever get confirmed, or is it all just hearsay? Well, he like he has said to, like I have
1: no no authorities have ever contacted me. No one has ever. You know, like, there's been nothing other than the social media, let, you know, charges. Those are the only, you know, charges against him. Like, there's no lawyers or whatever or, or legal or this and that. So, who knows, man? I mean, look, it, God forbid, uh, you know, he, he, he's a monster, you know? I'm not – I want to side with a monster, but I do know that, like, he is, you know – living his life out there and making his posts and doing his thing and and, i don't know it just seems to be a very strange case where i don't have all the fucking facts and a lot of the general public just doesn't seem to have all the fucking facts you know
0: yeah i i every now and then i wonder about that because part of me is like well where's the where's the charges you know Mm. and yeah uh, you know there's no litigation or anything just like someone posted something that he like did whatever he did which i don't really know the whole story about it and suddenly and the guy's fired yeah, and no one
1: wants to girlfriend something along those lines i mean i don't know the full meat of it and uh you know it's just unfortunate because we on the show are we're all big fans of his and we want to see him you know you know make movies
0: yeah, yeah now you know. i don't i don't get it done with horror you know it's like mm. it's like now now I, I don't get to see that so you know. i know but it's just when you
1: don't have all the facts, it's like the, It's like this, like limbo. It's like you don't, you, you don't really know. You know, kind of sucks. But uh, circling back to last night in Soho, I mean, it's interesting. Uh, Edgar Wright, like I said, has had, had a really cool career. Uh, he he also did uh, one of the, the the great little grindhouse trailers. Don't remember that, Mike? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> <Yep>. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. I was talking to a friend of mine who wasn't even aware, like who, who didn't catch Grindhouse in, in the theater. And when I brought up these trailers, he was like, what are you talking about? I went, what? <laughs>
0: you don't oh, know. I only I'm saw it like on like, like streaming or something like that.
1: Yeah. Um, because uh, listeners, you know, keep me honest. I don't think if you, if you buy death proof now, it doesn't like it, it, they don't come with those trailers. The Rob Zombie's trailer, Edgar Wright's trailer, and uh, the Eli Roth trailer for Thanksgiving. Which kind of sucks. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Werewolf Women of the SS, man. That was like (laughs) the greatest movie that has never been made ever, maybe. Mm. Um, Some have said Rob Zombie's best film, quote unquote. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But uh, yeah, this movie, again... Different kind of horror, different kind of movie. Uh, Like I said, if you're of the, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Hellraiser variety, I don't know if this is your movie. If you're an Edgar Wright person, you'll probably really enjoy this movie. Uh, If you like the more European stuff, I think you will really enjoy this movie,
0: right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, if you're into that more, you know, like the subtle kind of stuff, you know, it's it's more more in line with that. Like, there's no, you know, it's it's not over the top like malignant, you know.
1: No, no, it's honestly this is way better than malignant.
0: Oh hell yeah! I didn't even like I didn't like, I didn't on like on malignant it. at all. I thought yeah. it was terrible.
1: Um, but I am curious, Mister Hill. What what do you give last night in Soho on our scale of one to five? I gave it a three point five. Okay, yeah. that's an honest review, Mike. Yeah. I, I like it. You did enjoy it. You just yes. you were
0: floored by it. You well, enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed it. It's just, um, yeah, I mean, not not every movie is a, you know, it's not like every movie I despise or completely love, and this mm. falls in that gray area of movies that I liked. Uh, probably watch it again at some point, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, but it's not my go-to, shall we say.
1: I am giving it a 4.5. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I look forward to seeing it again. Um, but there are the, these, these the little things about it that, that kind of pulled at my strings. I mean, it even includes the song Eloise, which is, I love that song. And one of my favorite bands of all time introduced me to that song, The Damned. In the mid-80s, The Damned covered the Barry Ryan song, Eloise, and they made it like a hit. This was when all the punk bands became New Wave, remember, yep, Mike? I remember, yep. And The Damned went New Wave slash New Romantic, and they did the 60s song Eloise, and it, they, it was one of the biggest songs they ever had in England, uh, the Eloise cover. So, <laughs> like, when I heard the song come on, I'm like, oh, my fucking God. I was like, wow, this is so cool. But, yeah, like I said, I'm kind of a sucker for this kind of stuff. Um, you know... That I, I'd rather see Edgar Wright doing more oddball stuff like this than some of the mainstream stuff he's done. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the little Italian nods. I enjoyed that. It took me out of my life for, you know, two hours. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I give it a
0: 4.5. Right on, man. That's cool.
1: Yes, indeed. Um, so, yeah, listeners, you know what you're getting next. You know that you're going to be getting a review and discussion of The Mighty Kill List, the excellent British film.
0: So that should be a lot of fun. Probably going to spoil the shit out of that one. I mean, like, <laughs> number one, the fact that Jeff's doing it means that it's going to get spoiled. <laughs> and number, number two, the movie came out, like, like fucking 10 years ago. And yeah. to fully just to fully dis- analyze the movie, you mm-hmm. ha- you kind of have to spoil it, really. You do. I mean, there are things out of it that I'm still not sure of. And I'm obviously I'll be listening to,
1: to the episode you guys do because I, I just I want to hear your take on it. Yeah. But um, I just love that it's on Shutter because yes. it is now it is now a new movie to a lot of people, actually. You it's know, true.
0: yeah. So, you know, I mean, t- maybe uh, watch the movie first. Maybe that's why maybe it's good that we're talking about it now because you have, have a whole week to watch the movie. And then yes. you can listen to our, our analysis of it and then be like oh yeah, that's right it's I have never
1: seen a movie that that starts out one way go so another way like it's been it's been a minute since I've seen something like that so that's kind of you know that's another reason I liked it
0: so. and I'm gonna make a bold statement that uh Ben Wheatley has never been able to top that film in my opinion. I almost feel like I've read that somewhere <laughs> yeah, It's too bad man like if he that's the perfect storm for him, man. There's something about maybe the limited budget and the subject matter. Maybe, maybe that's what he needs to, uh, you know, needs to explore that more. You might be, you might be onto something there. Yeah, you might be onto something. Because I, the but, budget uh, on that film was like there was like basically four characters, really. You know. Wow. Um.
1: There's the, uh, one of the one of the main characters in it. I saw was just in something else. That in is in center, right?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yes, I, I,
1: I just watched the sensor trailer. Uh, I have specifically stayed away from any spoilers for that movie because I really want to, you know,
0: hunker down and watch that one. I know you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, I love that. I actually uh, on Black Friday for my, I did a little shopping for my family and friends. Mm-hmm. I also, do a little shopping for me too. You know what I mean? Oh yes, of course. So I got That's um cool. I got the Blu-ray of that from um. Uh, was it Severin or no? Vinegar Syndrome. Put <laughs> out yeah, yeah.
1: I'm I'm very tempted to pull that trigger. Got to be honest. Very tempted. Yeah. Uh, and then they also have Argento Trauma on Blu-ray, which I, I got that really too. Weird. I bought them both. Yeah. yeah. I honestly, that's all that's really appealing to me out of that whole big fucking mishmash of movies. And apparently, there was some vine- There's been some vinegar syndrome drama about some of the movies and about some of the prices and this and that. And there's been a Severin drama online <laughs> about. Oh, wow. the- they're Black Friday. There's, I think that the Severn drama's biggest drama was that the server crashed again and it does it every year. And every year they say it's not going to happen. And people are like, why do you say every year it's not going to happen? It happens and this and that. Um, but, you know, one, one little parting thing is that some people have really just been complaining about the prices, uh, I guess. And look, to plunk down 30-plus on a single Blu ray or 35 plus shipping on a single Blu ray. Well, I don't know. It might be a bit much. What do
0: you think? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's, I mean, but, you know, it's, it's, uh, inflation, man. You know, it is inflation and look, chain
1: it's, it's, is boutique, up. it's boutique shit, man. This yeah. is, you're not buying Return of the Jedi. You're buying, you know, like, you're buying niche stuff. Like, if, if Last Night at Soho is niche this shit is three times as niche you as they say. You know? <laughs> you're you're kind of getting what you pay for. It's it's a special product from special fucking companies that are 100% independent companies. Vinegar Syndrome and Severn are not paramount and fucking, you know, uh, Fox or whatever. These are, you know, these are mom and pops ran by people who, who love movies, so... There's, that's something to keep in mind. Speaking um, of uh,
0: a Severin, um, I guess that uh, that big uh, All the Haunts Be Ours, that compendium of uh, folk horror. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, apparently that's shipping soon. So I should be getting mine soon, in the next couple of weeks, hopefully.
1: Enjoy that. Now, I-, I said the two things I want from, uh, from Vinegar Syndrome, trauma and sensor. There are two things I want from Severin the uh, 3 or House on the Edge of the Park, Mike. Oh, um, yeah, man. Mainly because it comes with a, a brand-new Deodato documentary on it. Like, oh, brand-new. Like okay. Whole career. Um, and uh, the other thing I want to get is the new, brand-new Blu-ray edition of Don't Go in the House. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. The uh, yeah, yeah, with uh, – what's his name from Sopranos as a vicious – killer in new york around the late 70s early 80s that is one fucked up movie we should we should do that maybe early in the new year don't go in the house
0: yeah no i'm down for that man for sure that is
1: some dark new york horror (laughs) um but yeah man this was a good one uh you know for once mike and i don't have the same score which is great
0: (laughs) yeah but you know what you thought that i was gonna hate this movie
1: I did, I was, I was prepared for you to like, you know, throw a lot of digs at it, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I, I originally, like I said, when I saw the trailer, you know, and we both agreed that the trailer kind of misrepresents the movie. And yes. When we both, first Jeff texted me and he's like, he's like yeah, I liked it. And I was like, oh, wow, really? And then like, you said you liked it. And then I watched it. And I think I texted you, both of you guys right away. Mm. I was like, oh, it's a well-made film. <laughs> yeah. I know that's kind of like a wishy-washy thing to say, but the more I thought about it, and when I, I guess when I was putting my notes together, I was the more I started really liking the movie. So now, you know, I I uh I definitely represent that movie. I think it's cool. I think it's people should go see it. And um mm-hmm. like I said, you know, I don't I just didn't love it the way you guys did.
1: Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, you know, that's that's life, man.
0: Yeah.
1: You know. But uh you know, I, I I'm looking forward to our our uh, year end. Look, I'm I'm giving a little precursor again. A uh, year end uh, th- three way, uh, not three way, but three way podcast. <laughs> with me, Mike, and Jeff. Uh, listeners, get your minds out of the gutter. Um, so that that should be a fun one, uh, which we're going to do in you know later in, in December. Yes. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep rocking and rolling for you guys. Thank you all so much for the support
0: and uh, be safe out there talk to you guys soon take care cheers
2: when I first came to London I was only 16 with a fiver in my pocket and my old dancing bag I went down to the Dilly to check out the scene but I soon ended up upon there are the he-males and the she-males Paraded in style And the old man with the money Would flash you a smile In the dark of an alley You would work for a five For a swift one not the rest Down on the old main drag In the cold winds and nights the old town, ends was chill But there were boys in the cafes Who'd give you cheap pills If you didn't have the money You'd cajole and you'd beg There was always lots of chewing on the old main drag One evening, as I was lying down in Leicester Square, I was picked up by the coppers and kicked in the balls. Between the metal doors at Vine Street, I was beaten and mauled. And I ruined my good looks for the old main drag. And that should station the old ones who were on the way out. Would dribble, and vomit, and grovel, and shout And the coppers would come along, and push them about And I wished I could escape from the old main drag And now I am lying here, I've had too much booze I've been spat on, and shat on, and raped, and abused I know that I am dying, and I wish I could beg For some money to take me from the old main track